This week's edition of 48 Minutes is brought to you by At Large Bid, the 48 Minutes NCAA basketball podcast you hear every Friday between myself, Tim Daniel, and Ryan Lester as we catch you up on all things college basketball. We're also brought to you by 48MinutesNetwork.com, our website where you can check out all of our previous podcasts and articles and everything we have coming up as well. So this week's show, Sean Mackey and I, we talk a lot of things NBA, including Rick Pitino trying to come back, and we also have a great segment at the end where we give our top 10 guys who have bubble-worthy Hall of Fame candidacies. So without further ado, this is 48 Minutes. Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrell from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. You wanted to come with it, done it, with Donald with punishment. Youngest is confident, but can't handle what we coming with. Others in love with the drug and this man, we just running it. Long as the public is coming, then we keep them loving it. 48 Minutes, 48 Minutes, 48 Minutes, 48 Minutes. All right, so Sean, uh, we obviously now know that Tyron Liu is out of Cleveland after an 0-6 start. Um, in games where he did not have LeBron James to coach, he was 1-18. and <laughs> Is that really the number? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, that's terrible. So now... Well, that's a good stat. I didn't, I didn't know that one until just now. And then like now, all of a sudden, you know, Damon Jones is out too. Yeah. Which, sure... And all of a sudden, Kevin Love is not going to play until January-ish yeah, with his foot soreness. It's no good. Yeah. It's We're no, calling it foot soreness. I'm calling it foot tanking. It's no It's no good for my fantasy team. No. Not until he gets <laughs> traded somewhere. So the which, rule, which could happen. Which January 24th is the first day he can be moved. Okay. So that's the first day. Um, and then Larry Drew. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Larry. Supposed to be the interim head coach. So they tell him he's going to be the interim head coach. They announce he's going to be the interim head coach, but he says, I'm not the head coach. I'm the <laughs> voice of the team. I don't know what that means. I don't either. So, yeah, that I think that pretty much solidifies them as a, a full-on mess. Yeah, they, um, whoever, who knew that, you know, one guy just could hold a franchise together so much, and then when he leaves, it just goes in the disarray. I think this has been coming longer than LeBron leaving in L.A., though. This goes back to David Griffin. Well, I mean, LeBron's a glue guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when you think of LeBron James, you think role player, yes, glue guy. he is a glue guy. <laughs> He's, he is the ultimate glue guy, it turned out. We just didn't know it. Right. So... Um, yeah, they're they're in disarray now. Like, what what can they do? Because they gotta they gotta blow up the LeBron gang at this point. I was really surprised that they went ahead and locked down Kevin Love in the off season, um, and dedicated that much. I think it was more of a thank you to him. Yeah, and he, like you said, I mean, if he's able to be traded, you said in January. Yeah, January twenty fourth. January twenty fourth, right before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to come back and. There might be someone who's willing to pay a, a price for him, but four years? Is that right, or is it three years? Yeah. You know where I would love Kevin Love? That would sound weird. Toronto? San Antonio. Uh, uh. Dude, he would be a great pop guy. He would be, but man, I just think like he's two years two years past that point. With DeRozan, I think that that would be fun. Yeah, I guess I guess they could, they could do it. I mean, Powell's getting up there. What about Kevin Love in Milwaukee? Ooh, I, no, I really do. Giannis like and Kevin Love and Brooke Lopez. I do. Well, Brooke Lopez is just a—he's just a side piece. He's been really good for them, though. He has. He has because he—he's kind of. I mean, 
Lakers didn't know what to do with him last year. No. But he was, he was good in short stretches last season. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, but it, it was a big drop-off from his season before where he led all centers in three-point shooting. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, w- I was like, man, he's really going to build off that, and he didn't. No, no, you know? not no so. such thing. So, you know, now it's kind of like, you know, they probably have, if you think off the top of your head, so George Hill's going to be gone. He yeah. has to be. Oh, yeah. Um, they maybe have three guys you probably want to build your future around. Larry, Sex, Larry Sexton, Nance. Larry Nance. Not that Larry Nance is going to be an all-star by any means. No, but no. A really good role player. He can be like LeBron. He can be a glue guy. Glue guy. <laughs> <laughs> the glue guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, they have a lot of work to do there. Yeah. They have a lot of work to do, but they are going to be in basketball purgatory for a long time until LeBron inevitably comes back to play with his son. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. Like, because you think about it, like... That's, that's the way to go out. You play one full season with your son in Cleveland. The point made it, everyone made last night uh, on Shot Callers was, like, no one's exactly dying for Tristan Thompson. No. no I mean, he's, he's had such a stiff drop-off. Yeah, no one's really dying to have J.R. Smith on their team. I mean, no. No, and, and J.R. is one of those players, you know, and the Cavs knew it going in. When he gets hot, he gets hot. Yeah. And he's great on teams like the Cavs were two years ago. I mean, how the way, the way they, they were constructed, he was a perfect piece for them. But oh, I, for sure. I don't, think he's, I don't think he's that guy anymore. Yeah, and then Kyle Korver, who they told is not going to be in the rotation anymore. Which sucks. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, they told him and Jr. they're they're going to take a back seat. Him and Jr. <clears throat> now Jr. is making some cash this year, correct? Yeah. Okay. And Kyle Korver's not. I think poor, seven. He's got. He's making seven. See, I think he'd be a great piece on. I don't know. Maybe the Golden State Warriors. Kyle Korver <laughs> would be a great warrior. <laughs> he would be perfect. <laughs> hey, just come in here and let's be a microwave. I mean, I mean, they could give him like a you know, couple. I don't. I don't know what they could give him. Yeah, he's 37 at this point, he's so you're 37. basically go out there and play the David West role. Maybe he gets bought out at the end of the year. Ends I up on the on the waiver wire at the end of the year in the, for the buyouts. He'll definitely be gone by the deadline. Oh, yeah. He's gone. Yeah, it's because done. their pick right now is top 10 protected, or else the Hawks get it. Really? Yeah. Okay. From the Corver trade. Okay. So, you know, they got to They okay. got to suck. Yeah. They have to. Well, they, they're, yeah. They I have mean, to. they're going to. Yeah, there's no way they're going to be good. So, but it's funny we all thought that they were, you know, maybe you know between eight and ten. We knew they'd have a drop off. I just didn't think it'd be like this. No, I didn't either. But Tyloo can't coach, right? At all, obviously, not at all. I mean, that that stat you said one and eighteen, one and eighteen without LeBron. James. That's an incredible stat. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that. No, <laughs> I bet you David Blatt would be a better coach for that team right now. Oof. You know who would also be a better coach for that team right Ew, now? Tell me. Rick Pitino. Oh. Sean. We went there. Rick Pitino is trying to come back to the NBA. What a segue. <laughs> yeah, that was the uh, the big news today. Like, what? Well, you know, Rick, uh, Rick's an interesting guy. He's a Hall of Famer. Yes. He is. A premature um, ejaculator. <laughs> is that what we're going to do? I mean, it was only like 15 seconds. Um, so, this is a guy who has basically been blacklisted by the NCAA. Yeah, basically. And, um, back in, was it after the the 1997 NBA season? It was. So, so, yeah, he, 
he basically left for the Celtics job because he thought the Celtics were going to win the lottery. He thought he was going to coach Tim Duncan. Is that is that the rumor? Yeah. So he thought he was going to coach Tim Duncan. It wasn't because he wanted to reassemble his entire team in Boston. Because <laughs> I feel like that was kind of like really what happened. Well, yeah, he took Ron Mercer with like the fifth pick. That same round, he took Chauncey Billups and traded him midseason. Well, here's here's a fun fact. There's one thing that we always do forget about. He did previously coach in the NBA before his Celtics stint. He was the coach of the New York Knicks in 1987. That's right. And the year before he arrived, the team had only won 24 games. And in just two years, Patino led the Knicks to their first division title in nearly 20 years. That's a funny... That's a fun fact. That is a fun fact. That's a very fun fact. Um, so he goes... He goes in ninety seven. Now who did they who did they all draft in ninety seven? Walker? No, Walker was in the year before. Walker was from the year before, so he was already gone. So Mercer. Mercer. And then they got Chauncey Billups in that draft. Walter McCarthy ended up on the team at some point. Yes, he did. I think Tony Delk eventually ended yeah, up he over was there on there too. At some so point he too. was one of the greatest college basketball players I've ever seen. Dude, no one looks cooler in a college basketball jersey than Tony Delk in a Kentucky denim jersey double zero. Yeah, it was, it was, uh... I was shocked he never got Derek Anderson. Honestly. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, he like, needed him. But he was over in the cast hanging out with Brevin Knight. Yeah, <laughs> he had that stint with the, with the Blazers. He did, he did. He he made he made his NBA rounds. So, Patino goes there. So, I still remember this very, very clearly. Opening night, they beat the Bulls. Opening, his first op- game. Opening night, 1997-1998. And the Bulls at this point are kind of coasting. Yeah. They know they got this. They know they got this. But the 97-98 season ended up being their hardest their hardest NBA season because they dealt with some injuries to Scottie Pippen in the beginning of the year and Kukoc was I think hurt. Kukoc was hurt exactly. Yeah. So but the first game they walk into I believe it was I believe it was Boston Garden. Yeah, cuz that was back before I, like Ring Night was a huge deal. Yeah, and uh, they walked the way I remember it they walked into Boston Garden, lost, and I remember just the cocky look on Rick Pitino's face. Like, I just beat Michael Jordan. On In the first game. And the Bulls coasted that game. They they didn't care. They were, you know, whatever. They're like, we got this. We're cool. We got this on test. You know, they were on cruise control still at the beginning of the season. So, right. But it was huge. That was a huge... I just... I remember it so clearly. I remember um, uh, Ernie Johnson coming on right before the game and saying, Hey, NBA fans. I know you've been waiting a long time. You know, and, like, went into this big spiel, you know, it was a huge game, Rick Pitino coming in and everything, and they, I can't believe that was 20 years ago. I know. That's really, really strange. So, yeah, it was crazy, and, like, I just remember... 21, actually. Yeah, and I remember, like, it just, from there, it just was, like, a big, just... So, if, say, someone... Dan Gilbert. Okay. No, 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 no. If anyone's going to hire Rick Pitino. You think Dan Gilbert would? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the guy hired David Blatt. Okay. Well, but is the is the Cavs job an attractive job oh, to no. Rick Pitino? I don't think he goes after that job. I think if that's the only offer he'll be able to get, he'll go after it. Now, you you think he'll go for that? I you think, think he'll go for Cleveland? Well, you got to think. How many, how many teams are going to, like... Maybe Billy Donovan gets fired. Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. He's he's definitely gonna be on the bubble in a couple of weeks if things don't start changing. But right. Say things don't really work well with like you know, Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, I would like. I mean. I mean, 
would you think that's an attractive situation to a Rick Pitino being on the East Coast, um, being in Brooklyn, um, young team, some some decent talent right now, by the way. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell. Um, I mean, they've and then of course uh, my guy, Chris Levert. Yep. I mean, Jared Allen and yeah, they've got they've got a nice little team that they're kind of building there. I I kind of. I do too. Yeah, it's weird. I told everyone the Knicks were going to I mean the Nets were going to be fun and everyone yeah. just laughed at me. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 going to be, you know, I think they're going to be a better team than, <laughs> than so than a few other ones. So what are some other destinations that Patino would go to? Um, I don't know, but I'm looking through his Twitter account right now and oh, okay. I absolutely love that he calls his Twitter followers a Petuitos. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a podcast right now. That's interesting. Yeah, where he just like he had Brett Brown from the Sixers on his pod this week. He calls them. He calls his followers what? Petuitos. So is that like Justin Bieber going into the Holocaust Museum and saying Anne Frank would have been a believer? Yes. It's like I don't know about that. He's like NBA tweets are amazing. So watch New York Knicks last night. I realize Atlanta Hawks are rebuilding, but the Knicks have an exciting style of play with great hustle and effort. They will overachieve! Exclamation point. First of all, he's a Knicks homer. Yes. Number two, he's talking about the NBA like he just discovered it yesterday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> NBA is upon us. For MVP, comma, I like Giannis or Anthony Davis. For Roy, comma, I like Aiton or Sexton. Or we just give it to Spider Mitchell his second year. Question mark emoji. Huh. Oh, Rick Pitino is not a good Twitter guy. Yeah, he's almost Magic Johnson bad. Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> you're right. You're right. He's on the same level. But do or do you think this is going to be something that realistically happens? No, I don't. I, I can't see an NBA team taking a chance on him. No, he's got too much bad stigma I right mean, now. I he's mean, got to explain so higher, much. Higher and hookers, hooking up at bars with ladies that aren't his wife. <laughs> I mean, he just does. He doesn't have a really good recent track record. No. And I think uh, when his when one of his players broke their leg on national TV, he did nothing to stop like making money off of his T-shirts and. No, no, yeah. no. He's he's, you know, he's a great coach, but he's cutthroat. Yeah, he's cutthroat. He's, he was in blue chips. He was in blue chips. He coaches uh, Indiana, I believe. In that, I think so. I believe it's Indiana, which is hilarious because Bobby Hurley is in an Indiana. Bobby Hurley. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So, oh man. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, Rick Oh, Pitino's... he's in the sixth man also. Is he? Yeah. I didn't realize he was in the sixth man. Yeah, man. Okay, that's a good one. We'll talk about that later someday. Yeah, so <laughs> with Patino, I think, um, I mean, you can't blame him for wanting to give this shot, but yeah. all summer, all he said was he was done coaching. That he'll never coach well, again. He wants, to, he wants to get involved now. And, like, I think he's just trying to sell his book at this point because his book is, like, I, like, read some of the, like, inserts online, and yeah. it's... It's like if I, if we did a book club, I would say don't read it. But I so want to read it because it looks like a train wreck. And like, so I listened to his pod, and okay. the opening of his pod, he's like, "This week's episode of the Rick Pitino Pod is brought to you by La Quisandora Tequila, owned by George Clooney, who I gave tickets to when I won a national championship with Kentucky. He was at the game. Like, he said that. Yes. Oh my god, that was his ad. I, I love I love the deep dive you're doing on Pitino lately. It's really impressive. <laughs> Dude, well, we're going to be a Louisville Saturday for That's at-large bids. So, That's true. I mean, for um, One Shining Pod. One Shining Pod, yeah. So, like, you know his name's going to come up so much. Oh, yeah. Because Louisville's playing a game that day yeah. at the Yum Center. Yeah. Oh, man. So, I, there's part of me that just wants to see just this Rick Patino train wreck. It's just an American. 
Because we like horrible things. You know what I think should happen? I think when Thibodeau just ends up <laughs> flaming out in Timberwolves, they should really just set that, that franchise on true fire and just he, let Patino take he over. He might let make Andrew Wiggins cry. Yeah, he might. But you know what? He might still be a less of a burden than Thibodeau. <laughs> so, who knows? You never know. Yeah. Glenn sure. Taylor's not one of the... Uh, the uh, the better owners in basketball, so... You don't say. No. Okay, so who's more likely to hire Rick Pitino? Dan Gilbert or... Glenn Taylor. Glenn Taylor. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Glenn Taylor. Because, you are. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to say that because he has let this Jimmy Butler fiasco go on way too long. Yeah, probably. You think Magic Johnson would have put up with this shit? Probably not. No. No, he would have been gone. He would have been like, you know what? You're you're sitting on the bench. I mean, even when Larry Bird was coaching, he didn't put up a shit from that six from that, Absolutely. that Pacers team. Absolutely not. And also, underrated coach Larry Bird. Yeah, he was. We don't I talk mean, about that enough. He's one game away from beating the Bulls. Yeah. They would have smoked that Jazz team. They would have smoked that Jazz team. I completely, 100% agree with you. Yeah. Good NBA coach. For sure. All right, man. So, some different things, as we know. Uh, if you remember last year on the show, we had the LeBrumer Mill. Oh, yeah, we, we brought that up quite a bit. Every time that there was a new theory that came out about where LeBron's going to go and we already knew where it was, yeah, um, we yeah. had a story to break. Yeah. So now we have, I guess, the Duranter Mill. Doesn't sound as good. Durantula. The Durantula Mill, mill yeah. Durantula Mill, okay. Cool, we should have cool, done, cool. like, Segway music for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so well. right now there's a lot of talks and discussion about Kevin Durant and this kind of being the end of the Warriors in the next year or two, which I do think the next year or two is the end. Oh, yeah, I 100% believe that. Um. And the team that kind of seems to be coming up the most for Durant is the New York Knicks. Ugh. And ironically, the Lakers? But I don't want that. Actually, I kind of do want it for the sake of basketball fun. That but would, like, it would be... Well, here's the thing. When we when we talk about legacy with, with KD, him going to the greatest team of all time, he got a lot of knocks for it. Yeah, he did. Joining up with the greatest player possibly of all time, he might get a few more knocks. At that point, is that just Team USA basketball? Like, when they just go in the Olympics and they I just mean, run through everybody? I will say this. If Durant teams up with LeBron, and we'll, the Lakers are going to go after him. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, and I, and I, and I'll be honest, they have a, they have a good shot at, at getting him. They've got a, a nice young core, plenty of money to spend. Yeah. And it pretty much wouldn't matter who else you put around that team. I know, because there's like four teams really next year that have a realistic money shot. Yes. I guess Rick Pitino money shot being mentioned in the same ah. show. <laughs> that was unintentional, but I'll take it. Okay. Um, you know, financially, yeah. have a decent shot on them. So LA, New York. Yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh. And one that's definitely not going to happen, Chicago. Yeah. Because Chicago's going to have $40 million next year to make a move. They're not going to make a move. <laughs> Who, yeah, no one's going to want to go there. The, if, if Carlos Boozer could come out of retirement, they would re-sign him. Yeah. <laughs> I want Rick Bettina to coach the Bulls. After no, <laughs> don't, don't do that to me. Come on, man. Dude, come on. It'd be a great press conference every night. We play sports. We dribble up and down the court. <laughs> Bill Winnington ain't walking through that door. <laughs> The overall theme of this episode is Rick Pitino coming back to the NBA, obviously. But anyway, so the Warriors played in New York on Friday. And, well, yeah, Friday. Yeah. And there was a banner hanging up in Times Square. Yes. Of Kevin Durant ironically looking like the Jalen Jacoby logo. Conspiracy theory. Hmm. I don't know. Jacoby's a big-time Knicks fan. I don't know. Um, him and Porzingis together. So, 
there have been rumblings that we've heard now from Chris Haynes, who covered the Warriors for a while, yeah. that Kevin Durant looks at the Knicks the way LeBron looked at the Lakers. This legacy that he can, if he goes there and he wins, you know, he cements everything he's done, and he could, you know, he really believes that that, that the Garden is is still Eden to him, and he's, you know, he's a kid that grew up playing street ball. He played in Rucker. Like, his Rucker yeah. game is legendary. Yeah. So, I think... Okay, I'll say I want him to go to the Knicks. And this isn't just because I want this Warriors to run the end. You, you want basketball reasons. I, I do, man. Like, yeah, the Knicks the Knicks being being good is, is great for the league. What if Kyrie stays in Boston and Jason Tatum continues to be awesome? And then you have Kevin Durant go to New York and Porzingis comes back. And let's say Kevin Knox like gets healthy and works out. And let's say one of these 10-point guards they have ends up not sucking. Yeah. Plus, they're going to have a high draft pick this year. Yeah. And then, you know, in L.A., you're going to have LeBron. And, like, even when Draymond or Clay or Boogie and Kevin Durant leave, whichever those three is going to leave, yeah. the Warriors are still going to be really good. They'll still be good. They will be on the downward swing, though. And yeah. I don't, I don't know what moves they make. I don't know if they go after Anthony Davis. I think people are going to want to play with Steph Curry. Oh, I... If I was an NBA player, he would be the first person I'd want to go play with. Oh, for sure. He's... He's... Uh, he's perfect. Yeah, he's awesome. He's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on. Look at Pippen at the game right now. He looks great. Yeah, he does. Yeah, looking super hip <laughs> with, with, that, with that jean jacket. Thirty-three shade around his neck. Oh man, dude. Well, you know when you're a top five small forward of all time, Tim, you can wear whatever you want. You can wear whatever you, you want. can. You're absolutely correct. You know. So, so what would you say the percentage is if you were going to realistically? You know, go ahead with the four teams we just mentioned. The Bulls, the Nets, the Knicks, and the Warriors. Where Durant's signing next season? Okay. I would say that right now I would think it would be the Knicks. Okay. Because when, like, LeBron was going through this last year, it was like, I'm a free agent. I know. When we get to it, we'll talk about it. But, but what, do you, what percentage are you going to give it if you're going to if you're gonna go with that? We're going we're gonna to break it up here. We got I would say about 40%. You're going to go 40%. Yeah. So, would so 40% you say, hit 40% uh, New York, and I would say about 35% Golden State stays. And then the other two teams. They're just that, wrinkled in there. Wrinkled in there for fun. The Bulls are, like, zero. They're really zero. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I think the Nets are intriguing, but I just don't think that... No, I mean, I, I don't... He, I don't. He's not going to go there. Yeah, this isn't like... I think if Jay-Z was still there, he might. Mm. He's got a good relationship with Jay-Z. Well, that's that's fine and dandy, but it's, it's not the Knicks. But it's not Madison Square Garden. Exactly, yeah. And I think the Madison Square Garden just stands out. And I think, like... Do you remember when we did our Knicks preview and we talked about the term garden guy? Yeah. He's a fucking garden guy. Yeah, yeah. He He's a, if things go crazy in the garden, that place just blows up explosive. If he drops like 30 and a half in Madison Square Garden, which, did you notice when he came on the court, he got a standing ovation? Oh, yeah. They're, they're ready for this guy. Yeah. They're ready for him. Now, how much money do the Knicks have next season? Oh. They have, they have quite a bit of, quite a bit of, uh, you know, extra cash laying around. Let's just, I don't know why we don't know this. Yeah, because we're... Nick's cash, not 2018. I know Keith Smith put it out. Yeah, let's see here. They will have. Let's see how much money they will have. I'm curious. I hope somebody has it. Uh, we can't even find. How do we? How do we not have this stat? I think Spot Track doesn't really. Let's see here. Cap room. 
Okay, so they're going to have a ton. So they went ahead and they stretched Joking Noah, correct? Yeah. That's done. So you know what could happen? It says that they'll have about 30, 30 million in cap space next year. You know what could happen? What could happen? Kemba Walker and Kevin Durant go to New York. They go, both could. Now, Kemba's in a, is he in a contract year? He is, right? This is free agent year. Okay. He's, he's said a lot he wants to stay in Charlotte, which I respect. But he he doesn't belong there. No, man, he's, he's too, already he, he's he's, he's too gave him, he's, good. he's gave him all he can give. He, yeah, we, for sure. We, we can we could could we say that he's the greatest Charlotte Hornet of all time? I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I think mean, we, Baron I, Davis wasn't in Charlotte enough. No, Baron Davis is kind of a blip on the history. He's kind of like a I mean, New we, Orleans we Hornet. all we all kind of romanticize the the mid '90s Hornets, but none of them were there very long. Yeah, you know, like um, LJ and like Zoe were not there yeah, long at all. No, Dell was there for a while. Kendall was there for maybe three or four years. So it's like Kendall was there twice, I think. Right? Uh, I believe so. He did a few rounds. So yeah. So yeah, Muggsy is so, like Muggsy should have his jersey retired just for fun. But yeah, but. Kemba's probably the greatest Charlotte Hornet of all time. I'm, yeah, I think so. Did he play any years as a Bobcat? He did. He did His play. first two years, he was a Bobcat. Ooh, that poor guy. Yeah, so, so. Uh, what was it? Because Michael Kidd Gilchrist's rookie year was their last year's Bobcat. I think Gerald Wallace is an underrated Charlotte oh, player. absolutely. I don't think we talk enough about him, his time there. I mean, he was he was basically the, the same, I wouldn't say quite the same, but he was close to, like, Tracy McGrady being in, Mad- in Orlando. You yeah, know, like he was one of those guys who could put up 30, 40 points and just. I feel like he's not talked about enough of how good he was. Yeah, he wasn't. I mean, he ended up going to Portland. Things didn't work out there. And of course, uh, Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but he, but he was, he was a, he's the best Charlotte Bobcat there ever was. Yeah, for sure. You know, man. So, we'll, you know, one of these days we'll get back to that. It's a good yeah, conversation. Absolutely. So, uh, kind of talking about some current NBA stuff and what's going on right now. Obviously. You know, we could talk all we want about how good Kemba Walker's been because that would be a whole show, especially with me. Yeah. I want to talk about Zach Levine. Yeah. Because, like, I know the Bulls have only won two games and half their, you know, I, I heard they built an emergency room at the United Center with all the guys they have heard. <laughs> but Zach Levine is scoring efficiently, consistently. He's the, he's the best at the NBA right now at actually going to the rim. Yeah, he is. And, uh, like, Wendell Carter's starting to get, you know, come together a little more. Yeah, I mean they're they're letting him play, and I'm which I'm, I love. Uh, yeah, they, which they need to do. I think next year, I think he's going to be a a solid contributor for uh, the Bulls. Yeah, because um, I think, I mean, honestly, maybe not a top tier, <clears throat> jaw dropping like superstar. Yeah, is going to want to go to Chicago, and I think we've accepted that. Well, they already have a superstar. His name's Laurie Mark, and he's on the bench right now. But I was going to say, Healing. like, I think if I'm a guy that's kind of at the end of my prime and know I can make a playoff run with this this young talent. Yeah, a duo, a trio of Markinen, Levine, and Carter. Yeah, is pretty intriguing. It is, and that's why we we thought they were intriguing at the beginning of the season. However, injuries change everything, and we totally did not. We totally overrated how bad they are defense. We talked how bad oh, they were defense. They are a dumpster fire. To put defense. in context, we have two minutes to go in this half, and the Warriors have eighty five points. Yeah, and the Bulls have 48. This is just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, 85 points in two quarters? I mean, this is ridiculous. It's not even... It took like three seconds for that to actually click into my brain. I'm like, oh, they have 48. Wait a minute, 85? <laughs> this, is, this, right there. this is atrocious. They're going to score 170 points tonight. Yeah, they are. And... So this is this is it, they're a garbage team. So they're they're bad. They're really really bad. So and this is the kind of team. This is the kind of 
the game that we're currently watching is the kind of game that you expect Golden State to slack off on a little bit, and they're not. They're just giving it to them. They? They're look, locked in right they now. They look like they're on a mission. They are on a mission. They're, they're, they heard our show I when think we picked the Celtics. Their regular it. season um, this year, I think, is going to be outstanding at the end of the year. Yeah. I think they could go back up to 70 wins again. I think if they, I mean, if they wanted to. Yeah, I think so. It just depends if they want it enough. The last time they wanted that enough, they didn't have enough juice in the tank. Yeah. So. So, on the Eastern Conference right now, I mean, we have two teams that are undefeated, and they are really good. Yes. The Milwaukee Bucks, who have just 100% responded to Mike Budenholzer. Yeah. And Giannis has great, been excellent. Great fit there. Oh, awesome. Fantastic Eric fit. Eric Bledsoe's been good. Yeah. And, Lopez and has been good. I feel bad for Budenholzer because he's been down in freaking Atlanta purgatory for so and long. And he won a lot with them. He did win a lot. He he overachieved them to the conference finals. <laughs> yeah. They so, were a one seed in the East. Yeah. Year. I mean, I mean, and it was funny because it was like... It was like sixth seed, fifth seed, seventh seed, one and then, seed, and then like same team, one seed. Yeah, he, I mean they were that good that year. And then Toronto, I know obviously having Kawhi Leonard helps a lot, but Kawhi's only played four of the six games so far, and they're kicking ass. Yeah, they're 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 the real deal. Do you think either of those teams could beat Boston in a seven game series? Oh uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah. I don't think Boston's looked as good as everybody. Oh, sorry. How many? I don't think they've looked as good as we yes. initially thought they were going to. I think we Toronto's already beat them this year too. Toronto's already beat them, um, and uh, I think um, I think that they're just I don't know. I they have two really good pieces they reinserted into the lineup this year, and it, it's an adjustment. They're going to get it. I still think they'll probably win the East. I still think they'll probably make the NBA Finals. But yeah, I think I think Toronto Bucks. I'm. It's too early for me to to commit on that. Same. You know, I like it. I think this is. You know, I did. I did pick Giannis to be the MVP. I believe you did too. Uh yeah, I did. Okay, so you know, we're we're at this point where it's like it's inevitable. He is going to win one. Yeah, uh, him bar- and Anthony Davis probably gonna barring be barring injury. Um, Let's but- check the Petuitos. What did the Petuitos think about who's going to be an MVP? Uh, go ahead and tell me. That he actually had Anthony Davis or Giannis. Anthony Davis or Giannis. So, yeah. so, so it's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we kind of had this discussion um, when I was finished recording Shot Cause. We were kind of sitting around as I was putting it together. Um, this is not meant to be a hot take. This is really just a curious question. Not a hot take? Not intentionally. Okay. So my question is... Did Kyrie Irving leave LeBron James just to do the same thing with Jason Tatum? Because Jason Tatum <laughs> is freaking skyrocketing, and he's yes, getting he better and better every night, yeah, and he's, he's 20. He's really good. Like, at some point, I think he'll end up being the best part on that team, and I would not be shocked if it's while Kyrie Irving's on the team. Yeah, I think I think that's inevitable in everybody's minds in Boston right now that he, he might... I think Boston fans are... Uh, Putting the cart before the horse a little bit yeah, on his are. on his upside. I mean, he's yeah, like you said, he's definitely going to be he's definitely going to be the best player within. I'm going to give him the next two years. I'm not going to say this year, but he could be. He could develop. But like I said, with with Hayward playing on that team, I don't. I don't know. It's going to be this is this is kind of a trial year for for Gordon Hayward. I know that Brad Stevens and him are tight, really, really tight. But Danny Ainge, he's cutthroat. He's cutthroat, man. I mean, he'll, he'll, you know. And I think, I think his dedication to Gordon Hayward over the off season 
was his restraint to not trade him was was kind of I, I imagine it was pretty 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 hard on him because I feel like if I was Ainge, there were a few deals out there I would have probably just went ahead and said screw it. I think um, let's win. Yeah, I am. You know, if they're gonna, I, I'm all for them being patient with Hayward because it's going to take. I mean, forget yeah. his legs underneath him again. No pun intended. Yeah, I agree. Is like pretty crazy. Um, I don't think people seem to think because, you know, again, those highlight videos of him playing against his trainer, backing him in and dunking and doing ball moves. I know he's he's getting reacclimated to the NBA. He right looks now. a little nervous still going to the rim. Yeah, he does. Which, phew, yeah, I got. Hey, that happens, man. I you know I I I understand. Yeah, yeah, I would be too. So, anything else in the current league you want to touch on before we get into our top ten countdown of the week? No, I think I'm good. Awesome. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to discuss. I've gotten all my Rick Pitino stuff in this week, so... No, Rick Pitino. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. All right, man. So, as we've been talking about for a while, we're planning to do some different things with the show, and we don't have any bad tra- trade rumors this week unless we want to talk about Kevin Love, which we've done that already. Yes. Um, because, you know, it's bound to happen. Watch yeah. Kevin Love on the Warriors or something. I'd be pissed. It's, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to happen. Um... But so we're going to do our top 10 countdown of the week, and we're going to try to do this every so often where we kind of talk about like a different NBA theme. And this week is going to be the top 10 bubble Hall of Fame candidates. So we'll be right back with that. It's now time for the 48 Minutes Top 10 of the Week. So welcome everybody to our first, first time ever doing, I guess not really, it's our first time since the Corner 3, when we were the original Corner 3. You hear that, Corner 3? Yeah. No, we're not talking about the ringer, you guys are cool. Yeah. We like you guys. Yeah. So what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about, we each picked five guys that are yes. not that we thought were bubble worthy of being on Hall of Fame. So what's going to be interesting, uh, I don't know if that's going to work, because we're going to have, a, I'm sure Chris Webber's on both of our lists. I'm not, I didn't pick Webber. You I mean, didn't? No, because I think Chris Webber just needs to be in there. I don't know. I, there's just, there's no... Okay. That's like, I, I feel like he's going to be in the Hall of Fame at some point. I hope so. He, I don't understand why he wouldn't. Okay. He's, he's too great. So my number, my okay. first guy is Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway. He's, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, everything about Tim Hardaway, as far as like a facilitator, ball handler, passer, scorer, I mean, he did everything. He did, and he's... He's arguably, would you say he's a top 10? He's a top 10 point guard of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Easy. Um, let's see here. I mean, and you got to we're talking, like, If we're talking like career highlights and awards, he's a five-time All-Star. He's a one-time All-NBA first team player in 1997 when he was with the Heat. Mm-hmm. He's a three-time All-NBA second team in 92, 98, and 99. Yep. Very impressive. He even made the all-third team in 1993. He made the NBA all-rookie team in 1990. His number 10 jersey has been retired by the Miami Heat. He's also the WAC Player of the Year in 1989 when he was in college. So this is a guy who had just a fantastic a fantastic career. And his, his son hasn't turned out to be totally shabby either. Now, no, not at all. His final career numbers, he averaged 17 points, 8 rebounds... Three. I'm sorry. Eight eight assists, three rebounds, um, which are great numbers. Yeah. 
I don't think we talk enough about some of the later teams Tim Hardaway was on. Like, Not I only didn't, that. I didn't know he played for the Indiana Pacers until yeah, just I now. I didn't realize that myself. <laughs> he finished his career in Indiana. He played 10 games for them. But, like, he was the lead point guard on two extremely prolific offenses. Yes, he was. The run team C Warriors with him and Mullen and... Yeah. Was it Weber? Um, no. Mitch Richmond. Yeah, Mitch Richmond. It was, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, duh. Tim, Mitch, Chris. Run team C. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. Um, obviously, that Heat team, which, 97, that series against the Magic, I've talked about a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, that one when Penny Hardaway, and they were down 2-0, and Penny yeah. Hardaway let him back. Yeah. And, uh, like, that Tim Hardaway, Pen- Penny Hardaway battle in that playoff series was incredible. Yeah. And Hardaway shot 44% from three that year. Whoa. <laughs> like. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so Tim Hardaway definitely goes on my list. You know, it's interesting. So, with his career, he went... He averaged a career high in just his third season. He had 23 points and 10 assists, which is really, Insane. really, it's really good numbers for a third-year player. But then he had, like, a drop-off, and he went down right before he left Golden State. He played 52 games, and he averaged 14 and almost 7. Was that? And then the next year, he Was that goes, the first year Latrell was there? Uh, yeah, the 95-96 season was the Latrell uh, choke season, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah Which, there's so. a whole episode apparently about that in basketball love story. Yeah, so so he leaves there, goes to Miami. Two years later, goes back up to 20 points a game and basically reestablishes himself as one of the best point guards in the game. Yeah. So most importantly, yes, the Air Bacon's. The Air Bacon's. Now, funny story about the Air Bacon's. So back when those were released, Slam Magazine used to do. Um, they still do. Do big big ads, mm-hmm. big ads for the Nike shoes, with the with the Nike Air Bacon's. There was a number you could call, a phone number, and I know I got my Slam magazines down in the basement. I want to dig it out and call it just to see if it's still an active <laughs> thing. But you'd call it, and literally you'd you'd hear the phone pick up and we go, "Hi, this is Tim Hardaway," <laughs> and you're listening to me talk about the Nike Air Bacon's, and it was literally like this weird recording. That you could call, and he would talk about the shoe. That's amazing. No, it's really dumb. It's really dumb. <laughs> I but I, I distinctively remember doing that because I did it just to kind of like, I was like, guys, you guys want to call Tim Hardaway? You know, and I was like, I don't know how old I was there, like 11 <laughs> when that happened. <laughs> I um, I did wear my flights the other day when they, after J-Kid got inducted. Very nice My Flight 95. Very nice shoe. I have those in my uh, my closet myself. They're great. They're All right, cool. so who do you have that you want to bring up in this conversation? Okay, so there was a lot of guys um, that that I came across when I was kind of researching this. And one that really comes to mind is the, uh, the current mayor of Sacramento, Kevin Johnson. Yeah. This is a guy who had a ridiculously fun NBA career. Um... At one point, he was probably the most explosive point guard in basketball. He got to the NBA Finals once in 1993, but when we're looking back at his uh, stats. Now, they're not as prolific as, say, Tim Hardaway's, but three-time NBA All-Star, 90, 91, and 94, four-time All-NBA second team, 89 through 91 and 94. He was an All-NBA third team in 92. He was the most improved player in 1989, and his number seven jersey has been retired by the Phoenix Suns. He's also a two-time first All-Pac-10 team uh, player as well. So, And his number 11 jersey is retired by the University of California. This Which is, we have to mention the college stuff because this is not the NBA Hall of Fame. No, this is the, the Basketball Hall of Fame, and we and it's it's just as important. Uh, you know, but, I mean, looking back at his numbers, he is a very... Actually, he, he averaged... 
over his career, he averaged almost 18 points a game and almost and, and nine assists over his his career. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, he was a huge part of that '93 Suns team. He played all but his first season in Phoenix, which is it's just something that was kind of unheard of because there were a lot of players that were moving around a lot. Oh, in the for ni- sure. Late '90s, his own teammates, Marley but and he was traded in Barkley. the ni- and after his rookie season, only averaging seven point three points a game, playing fifty two games. He went to Phoenix. And then three late years later, started putting up. He put up his career best: twenty-two and five, and eleven point four assists in the nineteen eighty-nine ninety season. We're talking about who could dunk, a guy who could shoot threes, a guy who could facilitate. And he was not. He wasn't huge. No, he was very small. Yeah, very small. I mean, he was one of those guys. Let's see what he's. He's uh, curiously how tall he is. He's six foot one. Generously, I don't. I don't really know if he's that tall because I remember watching him play, and he's. He's de- he definitely could be on the spectrum of being under six feet tall. Same thing with Allen Iverson. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Another guy who's not very tall. So who else do you got? So I know we disagree on this one. Sure. But I'm going to go with Sean Kemp. Oh, I, I yeah. So Tell me about him. So your 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 point, which does to- makes total sense, is Sean Kemp's peak was his, what, six years in Seattle? Oh, yeah. Okay. But even when he was fat in Cleveland, he was still a 20 and 10 player. Well, yeah, the first... The first Two seasons in Cleveland, he was he was decent. I really liked him in Cleveland. I think I think marketability is going to be something that goes to his advantage, which is part of the reason I think Penny Hardaway should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, so, but we're talking about a guy that was All NBA three times, yeah, six NBA All Star games. It's pretty good. Most very extremely extremely well known for his dunking. Got to the um, NBA Finals once. Got to the NBA Finals. Finished career with fifteen thousand points and nine boards. And like in his prime, yeah, there were very few power forwards better than him. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And he was he was kind of I don't know. Like there's obviously there's nothing that matches Seattle Sonic Sean Kemp. No, there's nothing that matches that. The He's, Kamikazes were like a cool ass Reebok shoe. Yeah, yeah. And and the ninety in, in the early nineties he was I I would say he was probably a little bit better defender than he was in later years. Sure. Where he started kind of slacking off. I mean, yeah, like you said, his. Just like I, I, I said, his first two seasons in, in Cleveland were, were not bad. 20 points a game, 9 rebounds. Come on. He did it two years in a row. And he played 80 in the first year, and the second year was the lockout season. He played 42. So and then in the 99-2000 season, played all 82 games and averaged 17 and 8. So that's he wasn't a slouch that year either. But it was pretty much after that that year. Um, yeah, even even Fat Sean Kemp had, a, had one... Somewhat decent season afterwards. I think we, I, you're, you got a good, you got a good case there. Yeah, you got a good case, and he got to the NBA Finals, and he's the reason pretty much they got to the him NBA and, Finals. Yeah, because him and Gary Payton were unbelievable. They were. I agree. Was that the year Payton won Defensive Player of the Year? Yes. Yeah, the Glove won that year in 1996. Yeah, which he just recently got in not too long ago. Yeah. Well, as he should have for sure. As he should have. So, okay. Um, who do you got? Well, so. We're going to go to a guy, one of the most polarizing players currently playing. Love it? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you said love it. Like, Lyle love it. <laughs> no. I was like, I was like, what? No, 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 so no. I'm going to go with Rajon Rondo. Oh, so we're, we are including current players. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to include some current players. Okay. We have to. We have to. Sure. Now, because uh, even if they're not playing, they're still not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so... You know, if they're not, if they're not, if they're not playing, or they are playing, you know, these are guys that 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 could be in it. I mean, do you think 
Rajon Rondo has any shot at being in the NBA Hall of Fame. You mean the Basketball Hall of Fame? I'm sorry, yeah, Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, we just talked about that. I think it's going to be a little harder to convince people. Okay. But I think, um, you know, I, I hate when it comes to the Hall of Fame and people talk about, like, the legacy. They only talk about, like, how many championships they didn't win. So, like, you know, he only has one ring, sure. Yeah. But how many All-Star teams has he played on? Three? Yeah, he's, uh, let's see here, he has played... Currently, if we were gonna, if he was gonna end his career today, he won an NBA championship in 2008. Yep, he was a four-time All-Star, four times, four-time, an All-NBA third-team guy in 2012. He's a two-time NBA All-Defensive first-team, a two-time NBA All-Defensive second-team. He has led the NBA in assists three years. He was the NBA steals leader in 2010, and he was on the NBA All-Second rookie team in 2000. Do you remember in 2K when you could play with that Celtics team? Just how he would always steal the ball. Oh yeah, I mean, every swipe. Uh, that was it. Yeah, he's and that's what he's known for. I mean, the guy could the guy could steal the ball, man. He could steal. He could do anything. He averaged two point three steals a game in the two thousand nine ten season. That's insane. Yeah, that's really good. And fun fact: did the exact same the following season. So two years did that. He uh, he has career averages right now. Uh, if we were going to stop today, ten point five points a game, eight point five assists, and four point eight rebounds. So those are solid numbers. That yeah. is a productive career. Now, he's an on the bubble. He's an he's on the bubble. He's on the bubble. He's, he's on the bubble. But I think playoff Rondo is going to really help his case. Now, if he wins another championship with LeBron, yeah, you think if you think just one more championship puts Rajon oh, Rondo yeah, in the man. Hall of Fame? I mean, okay. I mean, he's a great fighter, you know, so that's going to help it. I think. I think he's he's one of the most intriguing. Hall of Fame cases right now. He's definitely the current basketball player that I think will be the best coach. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. I agree with that. And, uh, you know, I, look at Megan. He's played a long time now. It's crazy, isn't he's it? He's played like, a long time. I remember time. when he was at Kentucky. I remember I his too. freshman year at Kentucky. I remember that as well. They were, the, they were in the Elite Eight. They lost to Michigan State. Yeah. And they had Michigan State beat twice in that game. So, let's talk playoff Rondo. I mean, even that two games with the Bulls before he gets hurt in that Boston series. Oh, he's the the sole reason they won those two games. We were convinced they were going to win that. Yes, they would have. Like, they would have. He walked because Wade was terrible. He, he walked off the court, looked at Isaiah Thompson, said, "They quit." Did they quit? Yeah, they quit. Yeah. And then he got hurt. He, he revealed it. Would he break his hand or something? He hurt his hip or something. So like that. Was, yeah, it was something really dumb. But I mean, playoff averages. He averages. This is this is wild right here. Fourteen points a game. 9.3 assists and 6.1 rebounds while shooting, let's see here, 443. Let's look at all Not the terrible. guys he beat in the playoffs, too. Oh, yeah. So he won a finals against Kobe Bryant. Yeah. He, how many times did he eliminate LeBron James? Three times? Twice? Yeah. Um, in his prime, Derrick Rose, because that Bulls-Celtics series was amazing. Yeah. Uh, even though the Bulls came on the short end of that. Just barely. Uh, yeah. And they were they were in it until Game 7. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, was that the year? The, so that was the year the Celtics won the title. In the first two rounds, they went seven games, and then they like. Did you remember that? Yeah, they lost to the Haw- They beat the Hawks in seven games in the yeah. first round. Yeah, they like lost sixteen games the whole year, and they went seven. Yeah, two straight, two straight series. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think that that's gonna you know playoff Rondo definitely is his benefit there. Like I said, those stats you listed, the guys he beat, um, you know, Ooh. I just 
I mean, was it that one year they beat Orlando one year when Dwight Howard was in his prime? Yeah, they beat. Yeah, they did beat. That was the year that Garnett was injured. Mm-hmm. That was they played them. They eliminated them after they went through that seven seat, seven game series with the Bulls in the first round. Yeah, Derrick Rose's first playoff series. Um, interesting. This is this is a hell of a stat. So, in two thousand and nine, which I believe is the, I think it's that 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 year. That mm-hmm. was the that was the Rose series. Rondo played in 14 playoff games. Um, he averaged 16.9 points a game, 2.5 steals, 9.8 assists, and 9.7 rebounds. 9.7 rebounds? Yes. Yes. That's an incredible number. Playoff Rondo is a real thing. Yes, it's a real but thing. But that was his sure. second playoff. That was him coming off. That was him coming off of a championship and having to really contribute because Garnett was gone. Yeah. So he was really providing a little bit more offensive power at that point. But, but yeah, so Rondo, he, he could get in. Yeah, I could for sure. So we'll go to the fifth guy now between our ten. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to go with Tom Chambers. Tom. I like Tom. Yeah. Um, obviously a very fun 2K guy. Also, I, I'm going to go ahead and say this, and I've, I've said this before, possibly on this show. The best in-game dunk of all time. Yes. <laughs> so, for those who are wondering, I'm not intentionally going with all Sonics players. And we're not all going for, for Phoenix players either. Yes. <laughs> so, career 20,000 points. It's great. Once dropped 60 in a game. Um, like you said, the most memorable All-Star game ever. I mean, he was a scoring forward. He was kind of like, not talent-wise, but what we see from a 6'10's 3 that can score like Kevin Durant. Yeah. Chambers kind of was like the... The prototype of that, yeah, and then because he was not as athletic as anyone that has done it since him, um, but I think uh, you know he was pretty awesome. He was a huge part of Seattle when they were kind of on their up and coming with the like, before the Kemp Payton era kind of kicked in, right before it. And so I think Chambers has a pretty decent case. I mean, we're talking about a guy. I mean, this is incredible. He played how many NBAs? Three, six, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen NBA seasons. His last season, he only played one game with Philly, so we won't really count that. But right. he got six points in that one game. It's like that year Brandon Roy played five games for the Timberwolves. Oh yeah, wait, let's forget about that. Yeah, and the Portland Trailblazers weren't real happy about that since they <laughs> paid off. You know, you know they ended up. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, some of these numbers from Tom Chambers are just incredible. So, his rookie season, when he was playing for the San Diego Clippers, my yeah. God, my God. What was it, 17? 17, he, was, he was averaging 17.2 points a game, three, 6.9 rebounds, and uh, just about a block a game. So, not bad. Topped out the 1989-90 season. I can't believe what this guy averaged. 27.2 points a game. Seven rebounds a game, two point three assists, and one point one steal. Damn! How is this guy not the MVP? <laughs> oh wait, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he. I mean, that's. I mean, that, those are those are huge numbers. He was amazing. He was. There were huge numbers, and that was like right before Barkley got to town. Yeah. So. I th- yeah, I think Chambers is a guy that kind of has a really good bubble. Like, he does. I went back between him and Jack Sigma. Because Sigma has a good very bubble. similar, very similar uh, yeah. era players for sure. So that brings us to the sixth guy. Who do we got? The sixth guy. So I'm going to go with somebody, another guy who's currently in the NBA. That another bubble guy. By the way, before we get to, it, I just want to make sure I read this stat off. Clay Thompson has the NBA's all-time record for three points made with 14 here in Chicago in the first half. 
passing Steph Curry. Oh, did he just beat a record? Yes. <laughs> it's like in the fourth quarter. Like, like it was nothing. Yeah. That's why they had 80-some points. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. This was, you know, it was funny because, like, the ringer put out that that <laughs> that little piece about him today. And it was like, you know he read that. Oh, for sure. Like, you know he read that. Oh, Clay's not that good. And then every time someone says Clay's, you know, oh, he's all right on the bubble, he has one of these bizarro games. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to go with a guy who's currently still playing. I believe. Hold on. Maybe he's not. I don't even know if he's actually playing right now with a uh, with a current team. Hold on just a second. Um, okay. I am going to go with Mr. Joe Johnson. Ooh. Um, another guy who's... This is definitely a bubble guy. Definitely a bubble guy. So, um... It doesn't look like he's actually signed with a team right now. So he's... We can say his career's over with at this point. Yeah. So, um... Joe Johnson was part of the run-and-gun Phoenix Suns era. Seven seconds or less? Seven seconds or less. The run-and-gunners. This guy came up with seven NBA All-Star bids, which is... That's quite a bit. Very impressive. Seven. 2007 to 2012. Missed out on 2013 and then went back in 2014. He was part of the All-NBA third team in 2010. He was part of the NBA All-Rookie second team in 2002. The seven All-Star teams, it's a lot. Yeah, now, it is. Um, and we're talking about a guy who, he's one, of the, he's one of the greatest Hawks to ever play the game. Yeah. I mean, I, what are we gonna, where are we going to put him? We're gonna put if we're gonna we're gonna talk Hawks. Neek's number one. Neek, Bob Pettit, probably Lou Hudson. Lou Hudson. Yeah, it, yeah gets, it gets it gets weird after that, doesn't it? Rasheed Wallace for his Rasheed one Wallace. game. Now, don't don't do that. Chris <laughs> Webber did that one time when they were talking about best Hawks ever, and somebody was like in the back of the studio, and they went like, "He played there for a day, <laughs> literally a, a game. day." A He's game. like, "I'm gonna put Sheed there for his one day before he went to the Pistons." Um, but Dwight Howard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, but uh, you know, I mean. But we're talking about the Atlanta Hawks, like, recent legacy teams. Mm-hmm. The Al Horford team with Joe Johnson, yeah. uh, Jeff Teague, uh, Kyle Korver. He kind of was, like, the branch from that Steve Smith team to... Yes, he was. Yeah. I, yeah, if we were, if, yeah, you're right. He averaged 25 Which points. Steve Smith is definitely an all-time Hawk. He is. He's top 10. Yeah. He's top 10. Um, so he averaged 25 points a game in the 2006-2007 season, his second year that he took that huge contract in Atlanta. Um, average 4.4 assists, 4.2 rebounds, not a slouch. Shot 381 from the uh, three-point. Now, two years prior, shot 478 from the three. Damn. Yeah, that's pretty good. Averaged 17 points a game that year. And and, and he was one of those guys who wasn't the main option mm-hmm. in Phoenix. I mean, it was definitely Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash at that point. Uh, he was a glue guy. Yeah. He was a glue guy. So he leaves there, becomes... His own player in Atlanta. He was kind of the highlight of that Brooklyn team. And he was, yeah, he was, and he was the highlight of that too. So, yeah. So, um, and his, and his, after that 25-point season, his career kind of went up and down, up and down, up and down, up until last year where he was playing uh, in Houston where he was averaging six points a game. Uh, but very impressive NBA career, and it's also interesting to think he started his career as a Boston Celtic. I know. Drafted in 2001. So, uh... 
What do you think about him? What do, you, do you think he's got oh, a case? Oh, for sure, man. Okay. I, I love Joe Johnson. Um, you know, he's kind of also like, you notice how important he is when all these teams that are making playoff runs grab him at buyout time. Oh, yeah. You look at that Heat team that lost uh, the Dwayne Wade's last year. They got him, but they got they outbid him from Cleveland. Yeah. And then last year, Houston really wanted him to be on the bench to kind of help those guys out. Um, I think that that kind of says a lot to him, about him. I think he's, you know, you're right. He's an excellent player as far as his career, his legacy, everything he's done. Top 10 Hawk, maybe top 15, top 20 son of all time. Yeah. Um, so I think Joe Johnson definitely is a guy that has a very great case. So who do you got next? You know where I'm going with this. Go ahead. Sean, say what you will about the injuries. Penny Hardaway... Has a great bubble. <laughs> no. Okay, listen to me. All right, go. Sell me. So first off, the first seven years of Penny Hardaway's career, he was incredible. He was. So there Best was, point guard in basketball, top four player? The closest we've ever had to Magic Johnson. Closest, correct. Yes. So Penny Hardaway, in this, I mean, we're talking about a guy that averaged between 20 a game his first five years. Okay. Um, he was putting up about seven assists in that time frame. Here's his Orlando career stat line. Okay. 19 points a game, 6.3 assists. Three steals, and three steals a game. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. I'm sorry. One point nine steals. 1. And 9. sorry. Okay. And then uh, I was like, yeah, that's pretty fucking good. Jeez. And um, as a point guard, half a block a game. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing that people are gonna be like, oh man, look at this. But like, this goes back to my Sean Kent point. There was very few people more marketable than Penny Hardaway. Oh yeah. The I only mean, person that when Michael Jordan was in his prime outsold him in sneakers for a while. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was the new cool player to love. I mean, and his sneakers were very very pricey when they came out. They were more than Jordans, I believe. Yeah, at one point. He's a four time All Star. Yeah, three time All NBA. Okay, and people always like write off his Phoenix time. Tell me about it. He was good. Okay, what 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 we got in Phoenix? I mean, he wasn't jaw dropping. He you know he played with Jason Kidd. He but did. Like he was playing basically the off guard on that on that team. Yeah, twelve you know twelve four and four. Okay, you know, that's you know after his knee injuries and stuff. So. Yeah. I honestly believe that if you look at those first seven years of Penny Hardaway and you put him against any other point guard, I think that's enough to put him in. I don't think he'll get in, though. No, he's not. He's not going to get in. But he, but he's definitely a bubble guy. Yeah. He's definitely a bubble guy. I think... Uh, what if he wins a championship in Memphis? If he if he wins a championship in Memphis as a coach? Yeah, I think... I think yeah, he could... Yeah. Because his Memphis State... His career at Memphis State before they were Memphis... Sure, sure. ...is jaw-dropping. Sure, what he did in Orlando, I mean, him and Shaq are the you know one of the greatest duos of all yeah, time. His his coaching could get him in. I mean, uh, I'd like to bring up Steve Kerr. Oh, um, I think Steve I, Kerr is a hundred percent. But, but, but Steve Steve Kerr is going to be in the Hall of Fame because of his coaching career, because of what he did in basketball. Period as a contributor, his GM, his and commentating. His, yeah, yeah, his yeah, him working in the media and everything. He was he's he's done so much. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. But um, Penny, uh, I will say this about Penny. I will say this, and I, I will probably go to my grave saying this, but his number one jersey needs to be retired by yes. the Orlando Magic. Both, both retired of both number ones. They, they, need to, they need to put both of their names on it, McGrady and Penny. Yeah. They don't need to reissue it anymore. No, no disrespect to Jonathan Isaac. No disrespect to Jonathan Isaac at all, but it, no one should be wearing that jersey. Completely agree. Okay. All right. All right. So the eighth guy on our list, who do you have? I'm going to have a guy, um, a true, a tr- this is a true thinker, okay? He's not going to get into the NBA Hall of Fame, but we got to talk about him because he's a bubble guy. Andre Iguodala. 
I think you could make the case Andre Iguodala gets in the Hall of Fame. We could, but I, he's not going to. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> so, very impressive NBA career. He's a three-time NBA champion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he's only a one-time All-Star, though. Weird. Yeah, which is very strange, especially with his time with Philly um, and Denver. Um NBA All-Defensive first team in 2014, NBA mm-hmm. All-Defensive second team in 2011, NBA All-Rookie first team in 2005, and he was also the NBA Rookie Challenge MVP in 2006. He's also a first-team All-Pac-10 player from 2004. Does he have a slam dunk championship? So He does not. He is not a slam dunk champion. Um, if we're looking back over, over career numbers for Andre Iguodala, he averaged 19.9 points a game in the 2007-2008 season. He was, uh, for Philly, he was their best player. He played in all 82 games for the next three years. Yeah. Okay. Talking about an Iron Man. Um, reinvents his, himself. Goes to the Golden State Warriors. Um, takes a back seat. But in their first championship run in the year 2015... Finals MVP. He wins the Finals MVP, um, which you know we we talk about MVPs a lot about popularity, longevity, about you know what someone can do over an entire season. But yeah, NBA Finals MVP is really that's like the MVP of the NBA's biggest stage, right? Yeah. So and that's winning the world title at WrestleMania. It's winning the world exactly, exactly. And I don't, I I feel like it's not. It's not honored as highly. I agree. As, as a, but but playing that and, and the fact that Andre Ugudala outplayed everybody on his team and was the true once again glue guy mm-hmm. for that literally, team. I mean, the literally, ultimate. He glue was guy. the ultimate glue guy. Um, I mean, it was. I mean, it's just it's crazy. I mean, in that season, he had. Let's see here. In his playoff run with them, now he he only averaged. Um, it's like 10.4 points a game, four rebounds, and three assists. But they still gave him the MVP yep. for averaging that over the playoffs. Um, and uh, and it was evident, too. Everybody knew he was going to do it because of what he did in the last two games of that series. Yeah. So that's huge. So could he be one of the few NBA Finals MVPs that doesn't get in. I mean, we could also make a make a we could say Chauncey too. I, I think Chauncey's a Hall of Famer though. I think Chauncey's a Hall of Famer. He's in. I I'm not against the idea of Rip being a Hall of Famer. Okay. I know a lot of people are. Rip? Oh, I I agree with that. Yeah, I think Rip. That time in Washington before he got to Detroit when he him was and Jordan fantastic. played together. When him and Jordan played together, yeah. he was great there. So I mean, um, there's a lot of players like that, but Andre Iguodala is he's the ultimate glue guy. Yeah, for sure. He is kind of... If Manu Ginobili is going to get in, like we think he is... Because he's a Euro stud? Yeah, he's a Euro stud. He was the ultimate bench player for Popovich. Yeah. You can 100% make the case for Andre Iguodala. You can. You can. I agree. So, my last guy, because, you know, we're not going to talk Chris Webber because we already feel he's going to be in. Okay. Which, I mean... Sure. Yeah. He's getting in some point. Next five years. Yeah. And I had a tough time talking about that Pistons team going between Sheed and Ben Wallace. Oh, yeah. So I ended up talking Ben. Yeah. I think Ben Wallace is... I think he is a... Me and uh, Alex had this conversation, like, I want to say maybe six, seven years ago. And we were pretty confident then 
with what Big Ben has done yeah. over his career. And, I mean, if Dennis Rodman is in, in the Hall of Fame, right? I think Ben Wallace 100%. And not only this, we're talking about a guy who didn't even... Uh, I don't, really, really, like, I, don't even, I don't even think he got drafted. I think he went undrafted. No, he did not. Yeah, he was an undrafted player. He bounced so. between three or four teams. Yeah, So, and, for, and to be able to do what he did, he's a four-time NBA All-Star, a three-all-NBA second team. Jesus, three times that. Two-time NBA All-Third team. A NBA four champion. time, an one-time NBA champion, and, of course, a four-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year. 2002... 2003, 2005, 2006. He's also a five-time NBA All-Defensive first team. He made the NBA All-Defensive second team in 2007. He's a two-time NBA rebounding leader. He was also the blocks leader in 2002. His number is... He's the Detroit Pistons all-time leader in blocks. Yeah. That's incredible. With a team that had Bill Ambeer and Dennis Rodman. That's correct. John Sally. Yes, yes, yes. Andre Drummond right now. Yes, and and, and his number three jersey has been retired by Detroit. As it should be. As it should be. He was... An incredible defensive player. And even in his first season after he left when he was with Chicago, he was still decent his first season there. Yeah. Like, he really helped that team. The you could have bought a Ben Wallace jersey and not looked like a fool. A lot of us did that. Yeah. No. I did not. No. You weren't one of them. But 2006, the 2006-2007 season with the Bulls, he was he was great too. But, I mean, it went – he had a he had a sharp dip after that. So here's what I'm going to say about Ben Wallace that a lot of people don't talk about. Sure. Obviously, he was amazing in that Lakers series that won the championship. Yes. I mean, he played with Shaq every night, did not let him balance him anything. He gave it to him. If you look at that finals when they lost to the Spurs next year, when they took him seven, he was outstanding in that series. Incredible. He was so good in that series. And people kind of like just always talk about the year they won, and sure, I get it, but that series was really good. Because if you remember, it wasn't like it was like the Spurs won like, Two in a row at any point. It was one, 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 one. Which year was this? It was the year after they. The year after they, yeah, because they okay. went to back to back. So finals. 2005. So, yeah. so interesting. Now, playoff Wallace took it to another level. Yes. So, so the year they won the title in 2004, he averaged 10.3 points a game, 14.3 rebounds, 2.4 blocks. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And the following year did very similar things. The, the, the series that you're talking about right now, he averaged 10, 11, and one. Yeah, 10-11-2, I'm sorry. That was a team that had Tim Duncan. Yeah. That was the last year, David Robinson. Yeah. They had Big Shot Bob. Yeah. They were, I mean, they, like, Nazi Muhammad was starting at center for them at one point in that series. Yeah. Yeah. Being the Spurs, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think Ben Wallace, 100%, has a great case, I think should be in. Yeah. 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 Can we do a, uh, a, a notable... We have one more guy. We have one. Oh, I have one more. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Big Shot Bob, <laughs> <laughs> one of the guys who really kind of started. He's really the guy who's really kind of made people think about the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he has about a guy who career seven points a game, but yeah, big I'm, moment after big moment after big moment. Well, not only that, just I mean the sheer championships this guy made. Now seven of them. Yeah, yeah. he never made any All Star teams. He did make the NBA All-Rookie Team in 1993. From Alabama? Which was the year that they won the title. Can you believe him and Latrell Sprewell were college teammates? Oh, that's wild, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But he's a seven-time NBA champion. Yeah. Okay, and he won with uh, with three different teams. The mm-hmm. Rockets, the Lakers, and the Spurs. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he did say Rudy Tomjanovich was a better coach than Greg Popovich, though. 
Well, Rudy, Rudy's another guy that we should be talking about. Yeah. In, ter- in terms of, uh, you know, as a player and a coach. Oh, man, yeah. Like, why, why is he not in? I think he did get in. No, he didn't. No kidding. No, Rudy's not in there. Wow. Rudy's another guy that we could, uh, let's see here. Rudy Tomjanovich. Turning 69 years old this year. Damn. So, as a player, five-time NBA All-Star. That's, that's pretty great. Number 45 retired by Houston. Two-time All-Big Ten team. Number 45 is retired by the University of Michigan. As a coach, he was a two-time NBA champion and an NBA All-Star game head coach. So that's... Those are some serious... He averaged for the Houston Rockets in the 73-74 season 24 points a game, nine rebounds, three assists, and one steal. Yeah, I mean, he was no joke. Rudy Tomjanovich is one of those guys who definitely, without a doubt, we should be talking about as a, a guy who's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, um, you know, but going back to Big Shot Bob. Let's go back. This is the ultimate, like, um... He's definitely a head-scratcher. He's a debater. He's you a know, yeah, like That's why we're doing this. He's kind of like, you know, it goes back to that, you know, that do we honor bench guys to the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Because if we were going to make the case, like I said earlier, of guys like, you know, Kukoc or Kerr or Ginobili or Andre Iguodala, yeah, he's got to be in that discussion. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I don't know if I have him on my case. Yeah. But um, I think I mean, but it's very close because I actually had Glenn Rice as a guy that was really close to Ooh, my list. He's another one. Yeah. Mr. 1997 NBA All-Star MVP. Yes. <laughs> Won it over Jordan that year. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many guys. Like Rashid, we could have a conversation on. Yeah, we, we hit on some good ones today, though. Should we go ahead and just real quick before go we ahead. get out of here? Go ahead. Let's talk about why Chris Webber should be in. Yes. Okay. There's so many reasons. Um. So, obviously, the start is the Fab Five. Obviously. The most famous college basketball team to never win at all. Correct. I mean, two years in a row they make it. They started that movement. They, you know, I know everyone's kind of looks at them with a black eye, but the Fab Five were like the coolest thing. We yeah. were really young, yeah. But like when you even once you watch those doc- that documentary, that yeah. Thirty for Thirty, you're like, yeah, shit, these guys were so cool. Yeah, they were. They they're up there definitely with that that John Wall Kentucky team. Yeah, you know, it I was, was like really just an amazing group of guys put together on, on one squad. Absolutely. And then, you know, his rookie year in Golden State, he was awesome, and he was like, I don't want to play here. Yeah, I mean, he, I've never seen many rookies force their way off the team <laughs> the way he did. Yeah. And he's like, you know, and he, and to go to Washington, of all places. Well, Juwan Howard was there. Juwan was there. That's true. That's yeah. true. So he got, to, he got to re-team with him. So let's look at his stats. Mm-hmm. Five-time NBA All-Star. Yep. One-time All-NBA first team in 2001. Mm-hmm. God, he had a good year that year. God, he was insane. Three they time, were the second best team in the NBA. They may have been the best. I don't know. So, three-time All-NBA second team. Mm-hmm. He was an All-NBA third team once in 2000. He was the NBA Rookie of the Year in 1994. Beat out Penny Hardaway. Beat out Penny. He's the NBA rebounding leader in 1999. Yep. His number has been retired by the Sacramento Kings. He was a consensus first team All-American in 1993. He was a USBWA National Freshman of the Year in 1992, McDonald's All-American MVP in 1991, Mr. Basketball USA in 1991. He was the he number was, one recruit in the country. He was the Naismith Prep Player of the Year in 1991, and he was Mr. Basketball of Michigan in 1991. 
those are some crazy career uh, highlights and awards right there. And For sure. If we're going back, if we're going to go back and look at, like we said, the 2001 season, my God. Dude. Between those, he averaged 27.1 points a game in 2001, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 1.7 blocks a game. I would say. How did he not win the MVP? I would say up to the current power forwards in the NBA, he was the best passer I'd ever seen as a power forward. Oh, yeah. He's, 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 he's a top. He's a top five ever big man passer. Yeah. That means he's number five. <laughs> I don't know who the other four are, but there's got to be someone who's better than Chris Webber. We just don't, we just can't think of it right now. Right. Yeah. Let's put on the gun. Yeah. So, so I think we can go ahead here and we can wrap this week's edition up. Um, got a lot of really good stuff in. Yeah. A lot of good conversation. Um, so we're going to wrap this week's edition of 48 minutes. Um, be sure to check this out. We're going to be the Wednesday show this year. So each and every week on Wednesday, you'll see our show go up. And then Fridays, don't forget about At Large Bid, our college basketball show. This week, we're going to be prepping for the Kentucky Duke game next week. Ooh. The NBA Draft Combine, basically. It's happening. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, and then obviously, Shot Callers every Monday. Um, so you can check them out. Kyle and Ben over there having a very fun show, doing their thing. So everyone, have a great week. On behalf of Sean Mackey, this is Tim Daniel. Have a good one, everyone.